Hi, this is Pastor Craig. Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. You can contact us at studyhiswordministries at yahoo.com. Thanks again. Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. We are back in our study of Ephesians chapter 2. want to start this morning, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So Paul's talking here about the fact that you're no longer a stranger, You're no longer a foreigner, but you are now a fellow citizen with all the saints. So when we're in heaven, we're all fellow citizens. We're fellow citizens with the Old Testament saints that have died and gone away, and we're fellow citizens with all the saints currently. And that's the point he covers there as far as the and members of the household of God. So really he's referring to both heaven and earth here are... Uh, citizenship in heaven with all the saints and our fellowship with other believers as part of the household of God. Because that's what the household of God is, is it's all the fellow saints. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that was what he was saying there in verse 9, that our citizenship is in heaven with the saints and God, and we're also members of the household of God here on earth. Verse 20 here back in Ephesians, it says, uh, the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And, and, And what he's talking about here is that being built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, it's It's their teachings. That's the foundation that the church is built on, is the teachings and the truths that were revealed to the apostles and the prophets. So, you know, the metaphor is is that the stone, you know, it says Christ being the chief cornerstone. And it's that, that metaphor is you start with the cornerstone and you build the foundation stones around it. And that's what he's saying here. Christ is the cornerstone and the apostles and the prophets, they're teaching the truths revealed to them by the cornerstone, by Christ. And so that's what the foundation of the household of God is. It's built upon the apostles and prophets or their teachings. Um, turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and this is where Jesus is talking to Peter. Matthew 16, verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. A verse we're very familiar with, the things that we need to understand here is what Christ is not saying, he is not saying that, Peter, you are going to be the, the foundation upon which the church is built on. 
and that Peter is not, is, he's not elevated to a status of being more than just one of the apostles who's teaching. What he's saying here, and I say also to you that you are Peter. And in Greek, the name is Petros. Petros for Peter. And Petros means a small stone. So Christ is saying to him, and I also say to you that you are Petros, a small stone, and on this rock, Petra, the other Greek word, and the word Petra refers to a large boulder, the large boulder that would be used for the cornerstone. So what he's saying is, and I say to you, little stone, on this rock, the foundation rock, I will build my church. And so that's what Christ is saying here. It was a little bit of a play on words there, and that was, that was Christ's whole point. You know, I'm saying to you, little rock, on this big boulder, I will build my church, is, is what Christ is saying there. Okay, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 4, referring to Christ, Peter says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, meaning believers, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so here he's using that picture again of the stones, uh, of the rocks, and he talks about Christ, a living stone rejected by men but chosen by God. And he says, and then you also are living stones, part of this house that God is building up through Christ. And that's just a picture, a metaphor, a picture there of the church that Christ is building. We are the living stones. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Paul's talking about um, the members of the body of Christ. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. The point there being is what he was saying over here in uh, Ephesians 2.20, that having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and he says here in in Corinthians that God has appointed these, first the apostles, second the prophets, third the teachers, and and so these are the foundational stones that God used, that Christ used to build his church. And then he goes on and saying, and then... After that, they had the miracles, and they had the gift of healings, and they had the gift of tongues. Why? They had to perform the miracles, they had the gifts of healing, they had the gifts of tongues to validate their authority to be those first purveyors of the truth, those first builders of the church that were out there teaching what Christ had revealed to them. That was the order of how it was done. And then verse 22, or 21 and 22, it says, In whom the whole building, being fit together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So, he says, the building is being fit together, and it grows into a holy temple, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place. All the people, all the saints, all the parts of the body are being fitted together by Christ to complete the church, is what he's saying here. 
We all have a part to play. We all have our gifts that we're given. And we're all being fit together to complete uh, the church. And he says, grows it into a holy temple in the Lord. A dwelling place for God's Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says here, and Paul says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? This is a very key point here. He's talking about in Ephesians about how we're being fit together uh, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And Paul reminds us here in Corinthians, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Where does the Spirit of God dwell? He dwells in us. Our bodies, and we're told in Scripture, our bodies are the temple where the Spirit dwells. This is is completely different than what it was like in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, where did the Spirit of God dwell? He dwelt in the Holy of Holies in the temple. There was that back room of the temple, the Holy of Holies, that only the high priest could enter, And he could only enter it on the Day of Atonement because that was where the Spirit of God dwelled. The Spirit of God did not dwell in every individual that was faithful or had faith in God. We see examples in the Old Testament where God's Spirit enters into individuals. We can read it in Numbers chapter 11. We can read it in Judges chapter 3. And there are other places where it talks about where, you know, God's Spirit entered into an individual. But just as a faithful believer in the Old Testament, you were not necessarily indwelt with the Holy Spirit. But under the dispensation of grace, believers today, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And so I've made this point before, but again, we need to understand that The building that we meet in is not the temple of God. It's not the house of God. We like to refer to church buildings as the house of God, but they're not the house of God. God doesn't indwell that building like he did the the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament temple. We can read in Ezekiel where it says the Spirit of God withdrew from the Holy of Holies. God withdrew his Spirit from there. But here today, as believers, there's no more God dwelling in a church building as in an office building as in a grocery store. There's, it's a building. It's bricks. It's mortar. It's steel. You know, we meet here in this office of this business, and the fact that God's Spirit is here is because He indwells us as individuals, and that's where God's Spirit is dwelling. But He doesn't dwell in individual buildings. The point being, of course, that this, that Christ is building us as individuals together for that dwelling place for the Spirit of God. Uh, John chapter 17. Um, while yeah. we're looking that up, yeah. there's a group of people out there that call themselves many gods. Do you see where that could be taken, what we were just talking about there in the Mm -hmm. scriptures we were looking at, that could be taken out of context to show that because because God dwells in us, 
that makes us many gods. Uh, that could be taken out of context, and the scripture that we're going to look at in John would be another one you could take out of context to make that claim. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 22 and 23. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, meaning the apostles, that, the disciples, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perf made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. He's talking about the Son and the Father are one in each other. And he says, and that opportunity he has given to the disciples and that I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. The whole point of the scripture is that Christ is saying, I dwell in you, and you and I are one. However, yes, that would be taking it out of context to say that makes me a mini-God. Because nowhere in scripture does it tell us that being indwelt with the Holy Spirit, nowhere in scripture does it tell us that having Christ living in us elevates me to a mini-God. It's just, again, it's just a, a misinterpretation of Scripture. It's reading into Scripture something that you want it to say that it doesn't really say. Going back to Peter, and your name is Peter. Right. I'm a mini-God, but he makes the point back in Peter, the Petro. The oh, right, right, the Petro, right, the, the little rock and the big rock. You know, you're the little rock, but I am the big rock that is going to be the foundational rock. It didn't elevate Peter to any super status other than the fact that he and the other apostles were given special powers you know to heal and to speak in tongues and and to perform miracles to validate their work but above and beyond that never did it elevate peter to a status of a mini god or an equal with god that never happened ephesians chapter 3 seven verses here kind of it's one sentence seven verses but it's a perfect picture of Paul's role in Christianity. He just lays it out. And really, it's almost a summation of what he's been talking about in the first two chapters. So Ephesians chapter 3, starting verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles... If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit, to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. First thing I want to do is in that verse 1, he talks about, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Turn to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21, verse 32. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he'd asked what he, who he was and what he had done. 
Paul spent a lot of time in prison. Paul was in prison more than once. So when Paul says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, he was imprisoned because of his preaching the gospel. He was a prisoner for Christ and a prisoner of Christ. And Paul, when you read Paul's writings, Paul considered it a privilege to be beaten, stoned, thrown in prison for the cause of Christ. And I think what we have to understand is the reason that Paul was able to take glory in his beatings and his shipwrecks and his imprisonment for Christ is because Paul knew that without Christ he was lost and he was hopeless. And so that by God's grace that he could be saved, it was such an honor for Paul. Paul, you read in Paul's writings, it was such an honor for Paul to suffer for the sake of Christ because it was far better than what Paul's situation would have been had he never had an encounter with Christ. So, you know, Paul considered it an honor to be a prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles. Um, verse 2, he says, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. Turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, the him is Ananias. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine, referring to Paul, to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So the Lord is saying to Ananias, Go, he is, I have chosen Paul to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So this is what Paul's talking about in verse 2, and he says, If indeed you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. The message of the dispensation of grace for the Gentiles and everybody else, the children of Israel, was a message given to Paul. It says in verse 3, How by that revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. What was this mystery? This was the mystery of God's plan for the Gentiles. Turn to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Verse 26, but now made manifest. He says in there, my gospel. That doesn't mean it's a gospel that Paul invented or Paul created or Paul wrote. It was the gospel that was for Paul to deliver to the Gentiles. That's what Paul means when he says my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, God's plan all the time from the beginning of time was to offer up his son for all, to welcome in the Gentiles into fellowship with God. But it was kept a mystery. Throughout the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, they never knew that that was God's plan. The prophets were given little, uh, little hints and little foreshadows of what was to come, but they were never. the mystery was never, ever revealed to them. Um, that's what Paul's talking about. That's what this mystery was. The, the gospel that was given to him to deliver to the Gentile world. 
Verse 4, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And basically all he's saying is that when you read this, his desire is that you would understand, that we would understand and have this knowledge that he's been given as, as to this mystery of Christ. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and his prophets. Uh, again, referring back to that Romans chapter 16, that verse 25, when it says a mystery kept secret since the world began. That's what Paul's saying here. It was kept secret. It was not known to the sons of men. It was not known to the nation of Israel. It was not known to any of the religious leaders of the past. But now it's been revealed by the Spirit to his apostles and prophets. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And that's what that, that's what that mystery was. That's what that secret was, was that the Gentiles would now be fellow heirs. They would be fellow heirs, equivalent heirs of the same body and of the promise of Christ through that gospel. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, verses, actually verses 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's exactly what Paul's saying here in verse 6 in Ephesians, that we're fellow heirs. There is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no male, there is no female. We're all one. We're all one in the same body. We're all fellow heirs. And that's what the mystery that was from the beginning of time. And then verse 7 of which, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Paul says, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name. That's what he's saying here in verse 7. I became a minister according to the gift of the grace that God has given me. It was a gift that God gave him, and it was to effectively work his power. God would work his power through Paul. So to kind of summarize these first seven verses here um, in Ephesians chapter 3, it's Paul is just, is just stating that... I've already written this to you, and I want you to understand that I had a special gospel revealed to me that had been around since the beginning of time but was kept secret, was kept a mystery. It was kept from the nation of Israel, but it was part of God's plan. Until this time, it was kept secret. Now that message, the gospel of grace, has been revealed to me for me to deliver to the world, basically, to the Gentiles and to the, you know, the children of Israel. And that message is that we all have the opportunity to be fellow heirs of the promise that was given to Abraham. You know, there no longer is Jew and, and Gentile. We all can be fellow heirs of that promise. And that's the message of the first seven um, verses of Ephesians chapter 3. Thanks again for listening. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you will not miss a single episode of our podcast. Have a great day.